You're listening to KJ Recaps. Welcome back to KJ Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things Season 3, Episode 1. Susie, do you copy? I am Jess. I am Kim. So I say, Kim, welcome back. We have not podcasted in a year. <laughs> it has been time. a minute. Both of us, as we're like getting set up to do this, we're like, I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> I, know. I know how to talk. That is the only thing I remember out of podcasting. That is the skill set that I have not lost. I agree. Whether or not I can edit this after it's finished is a whole other question, but I am confident right. in my ability to discuss this season. And I will say before we dive in, we're going to be obviously recapping the first episode of Stranger Things. If you have been with us for the first two seasons, welcome back. If you're new, welcome. We're very excited. And just a quick reminder that we do not watch ahead. So we have only watched season three, episode one. Um, and we will be doing this like spoiler free, essentially. Right, Kim, as we go through. Exactly, which then results in us coming up with the most ridiculous theories of all time. And a lot of times our listeners have already watched ahead because why wouldn't you if you're binge watching right. Netflix? So part of the fun is sometimes to listen to us bumbling along <laughs> like idiots trying to figure out what's coming up next. But it's all part of the fun, so we love that. Um, bumbling along like idiots is kind of our brand, so we'll just, you know, stick with it and what could possibly go wrong. That's right. I mean, like, it, literally everything, but we're going to stumble through. It's going to be great. <laughs> so do send us feedback, um, kjrecaps.com slash feedback, or find us on Twitter or Facebook, you know, your thoughts. But just remember that if you're giving us feedback, we have haven't necessarily watched through the end so if our theories are wrong we accept that and you don't need to correct us we'll just find it when we hit that episode so That's but right. do send us a note to tell us you're watching along I will say before we dive into the scene by scene recap we're going to do Kim that when I first you know when it was first released that this was going to drop on Independence Day in the States. So to all of our American listeners, uh, happy Independence Day to you. Um, I was a bit like, oh, man, the middle of summer, the time when you want to be outdoors the most <laughs> and maybe not watching Netflix. But after watching this first episode, I totally get it. Like we were put in summer 1984. Like it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it uh, it definitely like brought back a lot of fond memories like this. This is what's so great about this show, right? Especially for people in our age group who have this like nostalgia of growing up in that era. Obviously, I wasn't their age in 1985, but like I do have memories of summers in the 80s that is like too pure for this world. It is just outdoor fun, you know, come home when the streetlights come on and like it just felt great. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I did miss the Halloween vibe a little bit, but I do absolutely like love that they're coinciding the season that it's being dropped with the season that the kids are living. So yes. it's not like we're watching Halloween in the middle of summer, <laughs> Correct, <laughs> which, or vice versa. which would have been yeah. annoying. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, and yeah. we do get to see Shirtless Billy, so we're going to dive into all of that uh, great content, <laughs> you know. But okay. I just, I don't know, I, I really did buy into this 4th of July coming home from science summer camp, 
you know, long days where the kids can get up to no good. I really love that. Yeah. So I hear you. And for anybody maybe looking to dive back in to what happened in the previous two seasons, because it has been a really long break between seasons, the way that they've organized it. Um, Kim pointed out, so for her on Netflix, the the season two recap played automatically and it did not for me. I don't know how if that is a setting or how that happens on Netflix, but it's worth going back to take a look if you are still trying to like sort through what exactly happened. And Kim, to your point, how epic uh, season two was which, you know, we may have forgotten. Yeah, I was actually kind of blown away by by like, how, oh, yeah. like, great it looked <laughs> all in one short compilation. Obviously, watching the season, I super enjoyed it. Um, but especially seeing it in that, like, super condensed format of all of, like, the really, like, impactful high points just hitting, it was, like, it was epic. And then I thought it was very interesting that the uh, Callie, <laughs> the presence of Callie, who was in the Notorious Episode 7 of season two was not included in the recap in any Mm -hmm. way whatsoever which tells me uh, neither was Brenner by the way so this season is not going to have either of them in it I am quite sure based on that fact uh what I do know is we are going to get Carrie Elways as uh the mayor at some point not in this first episode but you know they made some great casting announcements so I'm excited for the new characters that we've been introduced to is that how you say his name that's how I say it is that is that terrible wrong I don't know. I always thought it was Carrie Yules. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he was well, farm boy first... to me for now and always. And uh, a piece of the feedback to provide to us, everybody. It. Yeah. How do you pronounce uh, Wesley from the Princess Bride's name? Because that is, you know, clearly how he'll always be known to us. Okay, well, why don't we, Kim, without further ado, dive into our scene-by-scene recap, because there's lots to unpack here. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Let's do it. Okay, so June 1984, we're in a lab with military personnel and scientists. I really thought that in the beginning, I was like, okay, new season, new scientists. We had Brenner in season one. We had, like, uh, what was his name in season two? Who was played by Paul? Oh, my God, yes. That's terrible. Yeah. I don't remember anyone's name. You guys, I really thought that at the very least I remembered how to talk. But even that is failing me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I really thought that it was just like the same Hawkins lab. I was like, oh, I guess they reopened it. But no, it's a lab in Russia with military personnel. And they seem to be like trying to open a portal or a gate. And they have a giant laser. So it looks like they're succeeding a little bit. And there's like black tentacles or vines or whatever that I assume to be the mind flayer that starts to come out. Um, But then it uh, backfires, uh, literally, and many workers are burnt very crispy. Uh, And the general or whoever is, (laughs) you know, the military guy in charge is super pissed. So he just murders the head scientist. Very Darth Vader-esque too, I thought. Yes. That was, yeah. <laughs> just chokes him to death. Yeah. Uh, or his, his lackey does, anyway. And then he tells the uh, the new head scientist who has just been promoted that he now has one year to get the job done, or uh, it is implied that he would suffer the same fate. So <laughs> good luck, scientist man. And then we get to one Credits. year later. So that was 84. We're now into 85. So foreshadowing everybody. 
<laughs> uh, so then uh, following our credits and this one year later uh, indicator, we are into some of the kissing that is taking place in this episode. Uh, it's so awkward. It's so lots awkward. Lots of teenage kissing in this. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's appropriately awkward. I like, How and I'm very team hopper on this too. Oh, I know. How old are the kids supposed to be here? Yeah, I know. I was I was 13? wondering the same thing. I think so. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Not old enough. You you're still children. <laughs> Stop with the making out. Uh anyway. But uh Hopper is struggling with this, clearly, this whole parenting a teenage girl. And this is particularly poignant when you have watched the recap from season two because I forgot just some of the like parenting beginnings he went through with her last season you know including how dinner has to come before dessert and just like those things and now he's dealing with you know full-blown hormones um so this this starts off a fight that we're gonna see pick up again later on in the episode but of course she can slam the door in his face without even leaving the bed um, i know which is very effective can I just mention, too, how hilarious it was that we made such a point in season two that we're like, David Hopper's getting, or Harbor is getting ready for... Um, he put it all back on again. Yeah, he's getting ready for Hellboy, and they're talking about his dieting, and like, dad bod no more. And then <laughs> we were like, he's going to come back in season three, and he's going to be super jacked. But now he is like, they actually made a point of like, he is like you know deep in the snacks in the in his, in his easy boy and whatever but i mean like i'm not knocking yeah. it dad boy dad bod is is working for me um david harbour you have so my much. vote in any form and also like does he own any clothing other than his uniform i know <laughs> why, is he, why is he just like lounging <laughs> in his full sheriff's uniform like why not put on he just wants the air of authority around mike <laughs> I, it's clearly i mean i think he could pull off the air of authority in almost anything but yeah anyway so that we're going to come back to and maybe just do this next one so in the next scene we are introduced to the mall who i have to say is my favorite new character of this entire season so far because it's yes. just so great like Okay, I am really sad about what it's doing to small town businesses and, you know, the small businesses in the town. But I mean, like the mall in the 80s, you guys, it was. And I, like, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched the movie Mall Rats, but it is, like, definitely a three-digit number. Um, (laughs) And it's just, it's so, the escalators, like, there's just so much about it, you know, when the mall was kind of, like, the hub of activity um and you can just imagine what a backdrop this is going to be for this season where i'm very confident we're going to spend a lot of time at the mall and also just the impressiveness of the set they built (laughs) i'm like wow this is enormous and very cool so you don't think it's a real mall Oh, I'm sure it is, but I think that they like super dress it up as like, like full 80s. blown eighties. Now, yeah, of, course, of course, sure. as we go through and malls are now closing again, it's probably not hard to find one and eightify it, but like that's a big deal for most of these two seasons we've been in, maybe part of a high school and the woods is what it's right. kind of felt like. <laughs> now it's like, wow. 
I know this season feels like it is in Technicolor compared to like um, the first two seasons. Like I remember actually commenting in season one when like everything that Barb and Nancy were wearing was like muted tones of blue and brown. And now we are like neon the like glory that Karen and her friends are in and they're like full blue eyeshadow and neon swimsuits like I live. This this is like we're really definitely getting like out of the 70s or like you know early early 80s that still had a 70s vibe and into like the real like 80s that I remember in terms of style and fashion. No it's great. So just to finish the scene off um, we are also introduced to some of the tension going on with Mike uh, from his friend's perspective uh, because he is late meeting up with them because again um, he's with Elle and so this obviously becomes a tension piece and it's not long before when he does show up that we meet Steve who is working in an amazing ice cream store uh, <laughs> where Kim's notes say in the world's most unfortunate uniform oh <laughs> that hide his best so asset um, <laughs> I know yeah. that uniform is not going to be complimentary on anyone if you're like more than single digits like (laughs) (laughs) just so he cannot catch a fucking break steve (laughs) oh and like i steve the mighty have fallen here you know like i mean oh i know he peaked uh, in high school (laughs) yeah exactly uh so he lets them i somehow they have like power over him which i'm interested in knowing your perspective of um but he lets them through the employee back roots into the movie theater so that they can sneak in to see day of the dead so do you think that's just that they kind of like treat steve as one of their own now after everything that happened last season yeah i do i just think that like they're family to him now and they are the annoying younger brothers that like he rolls his eyes at when he sees them but that he would do anything for you know still exactly which is very cool because like yeah you know i'm a convert i'm a steve fan me too Um, Okay, so the movie that they're seeing is Day of the Dead. Um, So what is interesting is that, uh, so Dawn of the Dead, which came out like in the late 70s, I think, that was about, uh, you know, a bunch of people taking refuge from the zombie apocalypse in a mall. So I definitely think that's going to be some foreshadowing of what's going to happen with these guys is that they're going to be fighting whatever our big bad is this season, like, in the mall itself I think I think it's going to be like the mall is going to be a central character in this season I'm pretty sure we can confirm that because I believe the final episode title is Battle for Starcourt oh well there you go (laughs) which I only know because I listed them all out on the website last night so Kim I would give you an A plus for this theory and I'm I feel like that one was like that that. (laughs) they put that on a platter pretty much well done uh, anyone who has seen the trailer for this season sees that there's a lot of mall activity. But, a lot of mall. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that it's coincidence that they chose Day of the Dead here, um, which was the sequel to the movie that I'm talking about. Anyway, um, so the movie has barely started when the power goes out, not just in the mall, but, like, in the whole Everywhere. town. Yeah, mm. and so there's this, like, swirling of, like, dust and debris in some industrial building and it's surrounded by rats and then it becomes some kind of like shadowy shape what what are you thinking that is do you is it the mind flayer is it the same shadowy like you know being that is our big bad again this season do you think and is this it taking some kind of form in our dimension or is it something entirely different what are your thoughts i think it's gotta still be 
the same because of that final scene in episode or season two rather where it's like hovering over top of the dance you know like we know that it's still present in the way will's being impacted i don't know what exploding rats mean so (laughs) you know that's really yes i agree but I think that it is the yeah. same. I think it's the same thing. And I think that that's why Will is having this like hairs on the back of his neck and whatever. I think an argument could be made that like Will has a connection with the upside down. And so anything that's coming from the upside right. down might give him the Wiggins in that way. But I do think that it is um, it is the mind flayer and that his, you know, sort of flashbacks that happen here of um, his possession and whatever and his you know, goosebumps on the back of his neck and is is alerting him to the presence of the mind flare in this dimension. Is that industrial area anything that we see a few times that well, where things happen? So um I don't think that it's anything, you know, sort of like relevant. Like we see yeah. it several times in that it is the place where this like shadow being first shows up and then it's the place where all the rats are drawn to and explode and then it's the place where billy gets attacked but other than that i don't think that that is like that we know from before i don't think so i think that it might be the same place where wasn't there someone killed in a basement from by a demo demo dog in season two Mm. and i think that it might have been the same like steel plant which has since been like shuttered and abandoned but i don't know that for sure but I don't necessarily think the location is relevant. I could be wrong, but I did want to know though, like, do you think that the like the presence of the mind flare is related to the Russians and that even though it's the Russians who opened the gate potentially, that like the mind flare is like, well, gotta get back to Hawkins where my nemeses are and <laughs> bring them down. There's, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, the Russian thing is, like, underlined with, you know, a big red pen right now. And they even, in the season two recap, I noticed, like, you know, they reference L as the Russian kid and uh, et cetera. So I don't know if it's because there was an opening in Hawkins and that's why the Mind Flare comes through there, but the Russians are going to be looking for it. I don't know. I don't have fully mm. formed theories here, but right, for sure, the lab is shut down. But like, I mean, we can't really just shut this stuff down, as we know. I know L closed it, but like, there's there's definitely like things related to the fact that the lab was located in Hawkins. There must be. Like, how bonkers is it that like the size of that laser in the cold open yeah. was like it was crazy, and that thing could not open the gate. It just kind yeah. of gives you some perspective about like how powerful. That's very true. That's a good point. Yeah. Side note, I'm also really happy that we're continuing to call her L and not Jane because yes. I, don't, yeah. I don't think I would have been able to to it's make hard. the switch. So I'm glad that everybody is just continuing to call her L, even though she's L. technically Jane. Anyway, so Mike asks Will if something's wrong after Mike had all of these like, uh, sorry, after Will had all these flashbacks of the mind flare and his possession and stuff. And Will does not tell him that anything is wrong, uh, which I'm just chalking up to Will thinking that it is his mind playing tricks on him or PTSD, like a flashback of some kind that isn't necessarily like anything to worry about. And not that he's keeping secrets deliberately from Mike, but I wish he had said something. Yes, I I bet you that is going to be a theme throughout this. <laughs> I hope it's yeah. not. That's like one of my Just least favorite something. tropes that yeah, I know. you know. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, Stranger Things has always been really good at at sidestepping some of those, like, really overplayed tropes that are annoying where it's like everyone knows except this one person and we have to watch them all, you know, bumble around it. And if only this one person just could, could know the truth, then all of this would have been avoided. Like Stranger Things doesn't do that. So I hope that this doesn't go on too long. Uh, Okay. So then next scene, Nancy wakes up in Jonathan's bed. What? Okay. I have a question here. So, yeah, like Joyce definitely knows, right? Like, why is Nancy climbing at the window? Is it just, it's all I think that they think they're being, like, sneaky and that they're being really subtle and Joyce is not an idiot and she knows what's happening. So it's just a matter of them, like, they truly think that they are, like, being so being like, good, good yeah. sneakies. But, um, yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that Joyce is just, you know, She's a cool mom and she doesn't really yeah. give too much of a shit. They're they're adults and whatever, but um yeah. I think, I think Joyce's it was like, parenting style is excellent, you know, like as we see through this uh, episode. So, but they're so yeah. unsubtle. Like Jonathan yeah. comes out with a huge like kiss mark on his cheek. Like Yeah. <laughs> like she hasn't knocked like, on her kid's door and it's nine AM. Like there's no way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it turns out this is where we find out that both Nancy uh, and Jonathan are working at the Hawkins Post together. But uh, Nancy is being treated very differently uh, than Jonathan because hashtag me too. Uh, and it's, we're going to see it play out very obviously in a later episode. But she clearly is trying to break into journalism and struggling with it. So Jesus. This was yeah. like, I mean... Like watching the first season of Mad Men, it was like, it was so infuriating to watch it. And there are many examples. I mean, like speaking of newspapers, I just watched The Post and just like, you know, just... This is a great movie. Yeah. I know. But like these examples of women just being dismissed. I know that it shouldn't continue to shock me, but I did. I watched the scene and I was like, fucking 80s, man. They like... bonkers like at the company where I work there are women there who have worked with the company for like 40 years and they told me when they first started working there they weren't they weren't allowed to wear pants they had to wear skirts to work and I was like and you're still working like that is (laughs) like I mean like people who are still of the age of you know of of workforce today started off (laughs) well i definitely had that thought watching this too i mean nancy is not that old she's starting in her first you know job trying to break through it's 1985 i mean that's recent memory really so yes exactly um, yeah it definitely echoes everything that's kind of going on but it's definitely even like jonathan does not seem to pay as much attention to it as nancy is kind of raising so i don't know if that's going to cause tensions later on it would must be difficult though for them to be working together like that's a lot of proximity uh to each other so i think they're like new enough in love though that that it will be fine but you know what i'm really looking forward to i'm really looking forward to nancy getting the scoop on this giant story she'll try to raise it to her bosses and they'll dismiss her because she's just a little lady (laughs) and instead she'll like write the story of the century herself and be like boom she should just uh she should start a blog 
and then it would be no problem she could just get her own readership on the internet oh wait uh if only that were a thing in 1985 (laughs) seriously the like the number of times just in this one episode alone like when billy crashed that i was like oh my god like he can't call anyone (laughs) (laughs) like he's in the dark at a abandoned factory his car just crashed and he can't call there's no cell phones i know oh man simpler Uh, times (laughs) it was simpler times (laughs) uh before this uh this one scene ends we see the first shot of the magnets that have fallen off the fridge in joyce's kitchen uh which we're gonna see again but she pulls up the puts up the fallen papers and there's a drawing of bob the superhero Um, your presence is felt heavily in this episode okay let me ask you this question hear me out what Uh if Uh bob's coming back to life is bob alive (laughs) bob is not alive (laughs) do you see him like slain like there is no surviving what bob was put through like it's not even like barb where it's like maybe she kind of went missing i think we saw bob like really killed <laughs> he fully got eaten like, <laughs> yeah. like oh man no, yeah i would love but it if i he like the come theory back, though yeah. i th- although i i really want um joyce and hopper to get yeah. together and that can't happen if bob comes back but he was just no. the most loveliest human well i just thought it's like very realistic that bob is still being mourned and joyce is still struggling a year later you know like it shows how close they really were and he was a great character and really really, you know like it's just it's good to see that these characters who are gone like it's not just kind of glossed over i agree definitely i would love to see joyce and hopper together when joyce is ready after an appropriate amount of morning time that's right yeah yeah um, okay, so Dustin is arriving home after being away for a month at science camp. Uh, he's trying to get a hold of his friends on the walkie, but uh, no one is responding. And I think that this is like, you know, one of several times throughout the episode that they really kind of allude to the changing dynamics within the group and how there's sort of some growing apart and, you know, yeah. girlfriends are causing distance, uh, yes. at least for for Ellen and Mike but also Dustin seems to be really kind of insecure about his place in the group and you know whether people are going to be happy to see him when he comes home and Will mentioned a couple of times about why can't we just play D&D or do fun things like we used to so there definitely yeah. seems to be some changes that are happening which of course I mean like when you become a teenager and you're not a little kid anymore I guess that's you know to be expected but I hope we don't see a rift it's a difficult transition for everybody. Yeah. Like it's like kid to teenager. And, you know, I think a lot of friendships naturally come to an end if you diverge at this point. And it, yeah. Yes. So Dustin is not able to get a hold of anyone. And uh, his mom suggests that maybe they just forgot. And Dustin is <laughs> I love not. Dustin's mom so much. She's like, maybe they just forgot. It's been a month. You're fine. <laughs> like, that's not comforting, mom. That's, that's exactly my worst fear. uh so he gets to his room and then all of a sudden all of his electronic toys sort of come to life of their own accord and justin is or sorry dustin is super freaked out so he grabs his uh farrah fawcett hairspray 
uh, in self-defense and goes out into the hall to investigate, only to be surprised by the by the group, including Elle, who, of course, is making the toys move. So um, hooray for a fun prank, except for poor Lucas, who gets maced with. I mean, you just see this coming, but it's still, I just love the screaming mace scene. (laughs) So good. Uh, I mean, I did not, I thought it was like hilariously silly of Dustin to grab hairspray because like, what good is that going to do? But it was really effective. (laughs) Yeah, lots of damage. Yeah. And then this is actually a later scene, but it's really quick, so I just tacked it on the notes here. But uh, um, ultimately, Dustin brings the gang back to his bedroom to show them all of his new inventions uh, that he that he put together at science camp, including Cerebro, um, which is a radio tower that's going to allow them to talk to anybody via ham radio, of, essentially of any distance. He said, like, North Pole to South Pole. So um, almost as good as a cell phone. And he's going to use it to <laughs> talk to his... Almost as portable, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to use it to talk to his girlfriend, oh Susie, of the title. Um, also, I love that, like, every gang, like, in anyone who's, sim- like, solving crimes and mysteries requires someone in the group who's the tech-savvy inventor. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the 80s this was a big thing though unfortunately in the 80s it was most of the time a terrible Asian stereotype that was the character that was relegated to that you know like I'm thinking the Goonies the Goonies and uh, like Pretty in Pink that sort of thing is like the person in the gang who's like tech savvy and comes up with inventions but uh, but in in any case in this case uh, without all of the uh, yeah racism uh, we we do have like a member of the group now who's like creating inventions that i have no doubt are going to come in handy so i love that addition to the gang yeah it's almost like a james bond uh quartermaster you know exactly it's, it's, he's the yes. Q of the of the gang so that's yes yeah, that i mean cool. we saw it from dustin in early days and before he was like the one who knew everything about magnets and stuff like that he has just yeah. like leveled up here in his like fully like mechanical science projects that yeah no very very true um so in an episode that was you know pretty uh 80s music montage heavy i have to say this next scene is probably my favorite which is the (laughs) community pool uh where karen and her milf friends are hanging out in the best 80s swimmer uh drooling over billy which is so inappropriate this scene would never work (laughs) if the Genders were reversed here, right. but uh, Billy does look like a grown ass man, and the actor is in real life, so I guess. But and like, I like I we're we're to assume that they're all. I mean, they've they're all working. They they've got to be over eighteen. So even though yeah, he may not have graduated because I don't think Billy's like <laughs> academic career was really that stellar. But yes, let's right. hope he is. <laughs> Uh, but this is just a great scene as he comes out and like <laughs> just rips that poor kid to shreds. Like, I know. Oh man, Billy. He's so pretty, but he's so mean. He's he so is a monster mean. still. Such an asshole. And yeah. I, I like, I, I find it hilarious that he's like, lard ass, blah, 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 to the kid in front of everyone. And then yeah. still everyone's like, anyway, Billy <laughs> is so gorgeous. Like, they don't give a shit. <laughs> My God. 
the full face of makeup at the pool yes. with with like the shell earrings. I mean, my God. Like, well, I'm like, maybe I'll give Karen the benefit of the doubt that Mike's little sister is at the pool, I hope. But, like, are these... Otherwise, it's just... She's <laughs> just there by herself. Whose kids are not there just hanging out at the pool. Like, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I really wish that... Obviously, it's, like, true to the times, but the hair. My God, the hair and the mustache. The it's, mustache. It's, it's the facial hair, particularly. Yeah, it's... Um, so Hopper visits Joyce at her work where she is not busy because the mall has oh, put everyone out of, out of work in town. Um, oh, her so sign's like 50 to 70% off. I know, like, uh, please just take our merchandise. Give us anything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he has come to complain about Elle and Mike's constant making out. Uh, his instinct is to break them up, but Joyce, uh, in her much <laughs> more, you know, steady p- parenting, is like, that's actual parenting, a, yes. a bad idea. Uh, so she gives him much better advice about having a heart-to-heart with them about setting boundaries. And, and Hopper is like, a heart, a heart to what? What is this thing you speak of? <laughs> Emotions. Oh, um, yeah. So he practices at length with Joyce, and uh, it is not coming easy to him. So Joyce reassures him with hand-holding. And then Hopper, like, pauses and, like, glances at their hands and then asks her out. And she says no because she's not over Bob. And it's heartbreaking. And and Joyce walks away to go uh, serve a customer and Hopper just gazes at her with love in his eyes and in his heart, and, and it's radiating. And they and they're in love, but she's not ready. I just think it's like a good sign that this is happening in episode one because it's you know what I mean. Like I feel like it's actually going to move forward. In I this. agree. I mean, it's going to happen. It might be the big, uh, you know season finale kiss. Last year we had Mike right. at eleven, and that was you know. That was very sweet. Yeah. Um, so the kind of tie together is with Joyce downtown. Nancy kind of passes by that downtown area. She is doing her task of getting lunch, which clearly she's doing a lot of like very domesticated style tasks. And this is where we mentioned this earlier, but we see her delivering lunch to the editorial group that are trying to struggle with what to put on the front page it's all extremely sexist etc etc and her idea of you know a relevant story on the fact that the downtown is like a shadow of its former self is laughed out of the room so not a not a win for nancy no until she gets the scoop of the century and they rue the day that they mocked her they'll rue the day yes they'll rue it um, so Steve is still at work in his terrible, terrible uniform, and he is trying to make a good impression on a couple of female customers. He asks one of them out. It goes badly. It goes oh, badly. Like his, all his charm is gone. Though. You know what I mean? Like He's his confidence is gone. Lost his mojo. He yeah. lost it because he couldn't get into college. And he said his dad was punishing him, which I assume means that's why he's working there yeah he basically infers that he's been cut off exactly yeah yeah uh so 
Uh, he has been shot down multiple times, which is obvious by his co-workers scorekeeping. Um, but I have just added a note here that luckily his coworker <laughs> is adorable and I love the way she busts his balls and they're meant to be together. If only he could just see what's right in front of his eyes, which he will, That's I have right. no doubt before season's end. I, I agree. I agree. She is definitely one of the new characters that we were going to see a lot more of. So yeah, I like her. Yeah, me too. Um, so then we see the gang, our our main gang, on a long uphill trek to uh, set up Cerebro. Uh, up on the hill, it needs to be a certain uh, meterage above sea, sea level to work. And at 4 p.m., Mike and Elle bail, saying that they have curfew with, like, the worst excuse of all time. So That's lame. That's you know what? That is lame. I'm well, with I'm like, the whole rest the of the group. That's the point. It's great. Like, he's like, this is my first day back. And you can't like hang out so uh the whole group is annoyed by it but what we see is that as they continue to walk we see will experiencing the same feeling he felt in the movie theater with the rising hairs on the back of his neck and of course we get kind of like sounds in the background that give us that cue as well so something's up and maybe i'll just say the next part which is that we continue to see these rats gross um we're running to the building where we kind of saw this shadowy form earlier and then they all start exploding. Yes. Well, I was eating lunch while I was watching this episode. <laughs> just, just not a great combination. I uh, hope you weren't having things. like chili or something. <laughs> <laughs> rat innards actually is what I was eating. It's delicious. Oh, yeah. it was it was rat goo. Um, yeah. Okay, so I have theories. Uh, well, okay, I have what? a single theory. Oh. I have like... <laughs> Kind of like <laughs> an unmaterialized thought. Okay, here it is. So what if this like shadowy figure, which is probably the Mind Flayer, who was not able to like apparate in our dimension last season. It could only come into our dimension in this like, um, I don't know, as, as a shadow or in will or in vines or in demo dogs or whatever. So what if what it's doing here is that is somehow like making itself into a corporal form, like giving itself a body by using rat parts? Interesting. But I feel like then why <laughs> explode the rats? Like I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, it makes no even, sense. You just gonna take yeah. the goo and take the goo from the rats and then like form it into a body? Okay, not in a literal way. I'm not saying that it's literally going to be like an ooze monster (laughs) that is covered in rag goo coming out of this building. I just mean that it's like maybe it's taking the the like life force, the like sustenance or whatever, and like making itself into a corporal form. Or it's going to take Billy's body. And like okay. Men in Black, the first version, it's going to occupy the fleshy <laughs> exterior and walk around weirdly. Yes. I definitely think that Billy is going to be like possessed in some way, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's not going to be good. I mean. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's dying. Right. But uh, that was what I came up with from the rats. Is right. that the rats? The rats are somehow fueling the mind flare so that it has a more like sustainable body in this d- dimension. I was more inclined to view the rats as like a harbinger. I don't know how, but like it's like um, 
something's happening and you know smaller like rodent style or bugs are attracted to it kind of first off and so they go there and but clearly there's like some force field or something happening and it's killing them like that probably makes more sense (laughs) well no i don't know the the proximity to it is the proximity to it is causing the rats to explode i thought it was drawing the rats in it really didn't well sorry i I agree like i think yeah but whether it's like it specifically needs rats or it's just starting to attract interest of living things and the rats as rodents are like the first thing to fall for it I don't know. That's I don't think I'm making a whole lot of sense, but like I mean, I think um, that it uh, I mean, one theory is as good as any at this point. I mean, so exploding rats discuss. This is why um, we need to watch more than one episode. Yeah. This is like Okay, so uh, we do not know what the exploding rats are yet. No clue. Moving yeah. on. Okay. Um, Okay, so back at the pool, Billy is admiring Karen as she sexily does the backstroke in a full face of makeup and a neon bathing suit. Actually, sorry, this is fair. I just lit into Karen for being there, but she's clearly there to get exercise and do laps in her neon bathing suit and full face of makeup. I mean, no, she isn't, Jess. Let's be fair. She can only do the the backstroke so her face doesn't get (laughs) wet. But I mean, like, she did not put on that blue eyeshadow to go get exercise. She went to go (laughs) see Billy and to be seen by Billy. There is... That is what's happening. Mission accomplished. Um, I am mission very accomplished. Billy was absolutely loving it. Uh, They flirt very awkwardly. And then Billy offers to give Karen some private swimming lessons at the Motel 6. And I don't think he really means swimming. Um, so Karen is like super into it, but declines at first and then seems to change her mind at the end. Uh, yeah, she's down. Yeah. I think we're going to see some like torn feelings here, but yes, overall. Um, so the boys plus Max finally reach the top of the hill where they set up Cerebro, this giant ham radio. Uh, Lucas drinks all of the water without offering any to Max. So he's already earlier asked her about her zit. Uh, he tells her that you can't be beautiful and smart. Like there's a whole kind of series of Lucas just <laughs> dumb shit. He's uh, just, I think that it's like just uh, adorably clueless of what it's like to have like a first boyfriend or a first girlfriend. Yeah, Max just, like, she just takes it all in stride and, like, just... I know, Max is great. He's super cool about it, yeah. Um, and, of course, Dustin tries to contact Susie, which is referencing this, the title of this episode, but there is uh, no response from Mormon Susie, so... Um, and then just a couple of, like, quick back and forths here. So some quick shots of Joyce, who gets home from work, finds the house empty, so she makes herself dinner and watches Cheers while she remembers Bob. And it's very sad. It is um, sad. Yeah. And then we see the magnets on the fridge sort of shake and fall off the fridge again. So is this just like, you know, in season one with the, you know, I with know. the lights, the electricity that was somehow impacted by the presence of the Demogorgon? That This isn't necessarily anything in particular, except that it's a sign that there's like something that shouldn't be here. That's, that's what here. I think. Yeah. yeah, whether like we are supposed to take something explicit away or just it's more like these are not good signs, you know, like, right? It's not coincidence or accidental. 
So uh, then another just really quick shot of Nancy, who's working alone, cleaning up the empty office after all the men have gone home. Uh, and she gets a phone call, and this is when someone reports that they have been seeing diseased rats. So this is where she gets the scoop of the century. And uh, Jonathan will take pictures of that scoop, and they will go on to live long, happy lives as world-renowned journalism journalists. That's right. <laughs> so then we're back with mike and al who are making out again since they left for curfew while hopper is trying to practice his heart to heart that joyce taught him uh he does give it a real effort like i think he definitely tries and mike is like super disrespectful to his Agree. girlfriend's dad like when he like whispers something to al that he can't hopper can't even hear like i know I I I'm kind of on Hopper Team Hopper approach here because he really doesn't want Haiti and makes a lie up that his grandmother is has an emergency, yeah. um, but he's ultimately basically like you you know you need to treat me with respect um, if you're gonna date my daughter which is like oh just take my like heart out um, I know heart melting that like she is his daughter and I yeah. think that maybe is there is there maybe an element of Mike less so with Elle now because they went through it so much in season two but is there maybe an element that Mike is kind of like not really seeing uh Hopper, Hopper as, like, as that yes as the I think you almost re- see his realization in this in this scene you know where he's yes. kind of like oh yeah also, Hopper's terrifying, so Mike needs right. to be smarter. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't think what he's asking for is too much either. Like, don't no. A, which I think there's going to be that realization, clearly. Like, we're now, you're not only being disrespectful and cruel and, I don't know, just generally not a good human to authority figures your friends also feel essentially the exact same way so there needs to be some sort of like better reconfiguring of how you have both a relationship and friendships at the same time so yes learn the lesson mike you're, That's right. you're gonna lose all your friendships oh i hope that does not happen i mean it Me won't too. maybe we'll have a little of that storyline might but be a like, blip correct yeah i hope not because last season we saw none of the kids together all season if this season we like we have them fighting the whole time i'll be like god damn it um okay so it is now after dark and poor dustin is still trying to call Susie, and the others have just decided that Susie probably doesn't exist and that dustin is lying uh, and doesn't have a girlfriend at all. So they all leave him there. And Dustin, who continues to try to contact Susie and thinks that he does, clearly does have a girlfriend or else why would he continue? Also, yes, by the way, I really think that at some point near the end of this season, we are going to get a reveal of Susie who's going to come visit or something. And she's going to be a fucking smoke show. There's That's not right. a doubt in my mind that yeah. that is going to happen. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Anyway, so Dustin does pick up something on the radio, but it is not Susie. It's the Russians. <gasps> and they're transmitting some kind of coded message. And then in the, Russi- Ru- the Russian lab, we see that they like, they're admiring something. They've had some kind of success. It doesn't show us what it is, but I mean, I'm assuming that they have broken through in some way mm-hmm. and like something has mm-hmm. emerged from the gate that they've created. But not the mind flayer or the mind flayer can be like in many places at once 
Or did they just open something? Yeah. We don't know. I don't know. Like, they can go in. I do have to say, just as a quick aside, like, I don't think that when they planned to release this that they necessarily knew or thought through the fact that HBO would be releasing its Chernobyl miniseries, like, a month previously, right. which, of course, is Soviet set uh, in ex- basically this exact time frame, 1986. Um, but it's just weird because I just watched that <laughs> series, which is very serious, extremely well done, you know, and, and awful to see everything that happened. And then it's like this overlap is very interesting. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With like non-science. So. Um, so then our final uh, scenes of the episode are related to Karen and Billy. So we get a great um, scene of Karen getting ready for her rendezvous and you know this is where i kind of alluded to earlier like we see some what seem to be kind of second thoughts she takes off her wedding ring with some hesitation um she's walking out and her husband who honestly i have found extremely useless for two uh seasons oh, so he is like yeah but he's kind of curled up on the recliner with her daughter and she kind of has second thoughts so that's happening while billy is super pumped driving to the motel when something hits his windshield he has this crash that Kim's talked about earlier, and when he gets out to check it, it's like clear goo of some kind on the mm-hmm. windshield. Uh, have we seen is, have we seen goo before? Is that is it? Yeah, is it the same sort of stuff that we saw in season one when they went into the upside down? That's what I am thinking of. Like there is definitely goo uh, that we've dealt with before. Um, so maybe it's that, but like, what would be falling from the sky that would be goo covered? It's kind of odd. I don't know. And whether this was like an attempt to try and get Billy to crash so that whatever attacks him and drags him into the basement could do it. I mean, I assume so because it's like he's driving very close to the this mystery area where the rats were exploding. So you think um, that was deliberate? That they well, like, I don't know. Whatever this thing is, deliberately yep. caused the crash in order to get Billy. Yeah. I don't know. That, and then he will possess his body and wear him around like a suit. And no one will even <laughs> notice that Billy has become an an evil other dimensional being because well, I mean, Billy how, what is would the already be, really? the fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The only one who will notice is Karen because he's no longer interested in her smoking body. There you go. She's going to be very sad at that motel unless he shows up. I don't know. Oh, she's not uh, going. I don't think. Oh, I don't you don't think, think she going. went? No. Yeah her she stops okay that's fair so i am gonna go now watch episode two because now i want to know what happens next yes we have very little in the way of theories after the first episode it was very introductory although it was amazing i'm happy to see all of it um but uh once we get into it more i feel like we always come up with like bonkers stuff (laughs) that we think is gonna happen and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong there's some bonkers stuff from this episode though i mean bob could be alive and billy is gonna be worn around (laughs) like a suit like those are two very (laughs) good starting points for season three (laughs) so with that i think we're going to wrap up this episode kim we will be back our plan is to release an episode a day over the coming weeks so hopefully you will follow us along a reminder that you can send us feedback at kjrecaps.com slash feedback follow us on facebook and twitter at kjrecaps uh and until the next episode kim this has been great i'm excited to be back and i'm excited to watch episode two right now so we'll be back tomorrow with another recap thanks for listening thanks everyone bye bye